They dropped off Sione. Then Montine, Manhattan Times, Papali, putting heads the rest. See you in heaven, raced up to Savitou-XL. Took the lead, got a length clear. Sione's trying hard to rally. See you in heaven. Savitou-XL's fighting back. Sione's going to crunch them late. See you in heaven in front. Sione over the top to win the Leon McDonald. Sione. What a mare she's down. been. See that was her eighth victory from just 18 starts. She's won just under $400,000. She's trained by a superstar in Patty Payne, and he joins us now. Um, Patty, you must have been proud of her performance because you just heard, just heard in the calls, she looked under pressure, but she just found a way to win again. Yeah, good morning, Gareth. Yeah, we were. It was a great effort by her, like, you know, uh, getting some black type with her was a huge advantage for me, as we know. So, yeah, straightening up, I just thought, oh, well, let's hope she, she runs a place, you know, that's that job done. Um, but then she just kept build, building momentum, and, you know, she, she's been very strong late in the last her last three races. Is she a mare that you think that she's just getting better now? Oh, for sure. Like, um, she's a very immature-looking horse. Like, she's she's still, at the moment, she's still sort of halfway through furnishing, too. So, if you ever see her in the yard, she looks a bit bit, bit, bit skinny and scrawny and that sort of stuff. So, um, so she always showed us a lot of a bit of the early doors. But, um, as I said, she just, just couldn't physically handle the workload. Um, so, but, she's, but she seems to be handling it now. But there's no reason why she won't keep improving, either. How many more runs do you think you can get in her, this preparation? That was only her... Well, she had a bit of a freshen up since winning at Flemington the other day. Um, are you happy with the way that she's pulled out, pulled up after that race? Uh, she's pulled up sound and well, but yeah. um, <clears throat> we won't we won't punish for, for running well. Like we raced over the winter time, and uh, then we gave her freshen up. She's had a trip to Adelaide and back. So, what I think the best thing to do by the horse is just like we'll play with her here for at the farm for a week or so, and then decide uh, we we don't need to rush her back to the races if she's in great order. Maybe a race like the Stock Stakes at the end of September might be a nice race for her, or yep. we can we can wait a bit longer. And as I said, she she's done a great job, so we'll, we'll look after her from now onwards. Do you think there's a nice race in her? Maybe come the autumn then, Patty. Oh, I think so. Like um, like just the way she keeps improving all the time, and, and as I said, there's no reason why she won't keep improving over the next year or two. So so somewhere along the line, um, you know, she might put a hand up for a better race, hopefully. But as I said, she's um, you know it's hard to find these horses that have got yeah. good ability like her, and she and she's very strong late too. So. Um, Hopefully that's always going to hold her in good stead. Are you looking forward to the spring, mate? Have you got a, a Dunkel? Is he your number one seed heading into the spring? Uh, I haven't got too much for the spring that, that, yeah. I, that I know of at the stage. Uh, so we'll just sort of quietly go along and you know run them the races that, that are achievable for them. Uh, Dunkel, he'll just sort of he'll, he'll step around the spring. <clears throat> he'll still, he'll have a couple of races at the end of the spring and you know get ready for the Packenham Cup and Adelaide Cup. All right then, mate. And um, how's the farm going? It's it looks like we're watching your horses and the way that they've been able to to race through their campaigns, having that farm, you just train at Rockbank, isn't it? Just outside of Melbourne, about an hour outside of Melbourne. It seems to be a massive advantage for you, Patty. It works well for me. Um, I'm not sure it, it, it suits everyone, but it, it's nice for me. As I said, these horses can have long campaigns. That, you know, most of the day they're spent sort of like sitting under a tree under, under some nice soft sand and stuff. And so it seems to like a longevity for them. I think they can they can withstand long campaigns because, as I said, like it's it's nothing special, it's nothing flash, but um, the horses seem quite happy here and 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 they can enjoy long campaigns through like being trained this way. So with the 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 is it so is it heavy sand you train them on, Paddy, or is it is it like the WA sand? A uh, combination of all. Uh, yeah, okay. we've got. Uh, I like, try to replicate the yeah. um, sand, sand dunes down at Warrnambool. We've got a, we've got a track yeah. that do, does that. Um, doesn't suit all horses. So like some fillies, it just makes their muscles a bit dense and a bit there. So, so um, yeah, as I said, it's just it's three hundred acres of tracks here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, you, <laughs> you must enjoy experimenting then from time to time. Then, Patty, or you, do you do you think that you've worked out a a 
regime now or a um, a system that seems to work? Uh, hopefully, you learn by your mistakes. Yeah. Uh, a bit like power of elim- elimination. That yeah, that doesn't work. So, but as I said, like yeah, uh, they're all different. I, I found um, like the surfaces you train them on is is it's been a huge. Huge learning curve for me, as I said, like some fillies and mares, they, they do not handle the, the, the heavy sand, so they have to run on a lot quicker sand. And, and, and it's, this place is on an incline too, so there's some hills and that, and some horses can really thrive on it and some horses don't. But as I said, it's, it's, a bit, it's always, you always, you never stop learning. Yeah. What about today? You're heading to Donald with the, some really nice chances. Um, geez, Bold ja- Jackal looks tough to beat in that first race. You, you would think so. First time in Blinkers, he's he's sort of very casual, laid back horse, and um, you know Blinkers have uh, def- definitely not haven't had an adverse effect to him. They've just they've just sort of made him focus. So um, you know, I expect him to you know be really hard to beat today. How good's Gifted Game? He's on debut there in race five. Uh, he's a little bit one pace. Um, you know, he sort of builds momentum. Like hopefully he's running on late, but uh, you know I think he'll keep improving with time and over a bit further. Geez, Little Eagle was impressive on debut. Can she do it again, resuming from a break? I uh, got really good ability. Uh, obviously, it's hard going from for maiden to to racing against experienced horses, um, and a little bit of question mark if the if the track's upgraded to a four, she 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 likes a bit of giving the ground, but okay. um, but I think she's got she's got enough ability to take care of the race. Palulu's in terrific form. Um, looks a, a lovely race for this galloper again. Yeah, he's a really honest horse. I think he'll like getting on the firmer ground today. So, uh, you know, he, he hasn't got anything on the rest of the field. But um, if he has normal luck and running, he'll, he'll give you a run for your money. What about the Don fourth up in that final event? Yeah, I think so. He's, he's, he's finally hitting his straps. Um, you know, getting to, to 2,200 metres would be ideal for him, dropping in grade. So, you know, I, I haven't got a great handle on the horse. He's only, he's only his best preparation for us. But... Um, you know, if he's genuine and he wants to be there, he's training like he'll, he'll run a great race. You could be the king of the women today, Paddy. You've got favourites in every race that you're competing in. What would be your best? It can, it can go the other way yeah, pretty I quick. I know that. Never get ahead of yourself. Um, oh, you'd, have to, you'd get in early with Bold Jackal, I'd say. All right, then. Um, so that's race one, number one. Always a pleasure catching up with you, Paddy. You're a bloody star, mate. And well done with Sione. It's been some training performance with her to to get what she did, uh, get her to do what she did there on Saturday and defeat um, horses like a see you in heaven and a, a severed to excel. So well done and good luck today, Donald. Thank you. Good luck to you. He's a star, Paddy Payne, 12 minutes past eight. So we'll take a quick break. This is a bet three, six, five country racing hour on uh, this Tuesday morning on the other side of it, talking about terrific training performances, Henry DeWire. It was some training performance to get his jumper, um, Brungle Bertie over the line first in the Grand National on uh, Sunday afternoon there at Ballarat. That horse was first up basically in that race. And um, he defeated some of the stars of our jumping caper in this country. So looking forward to catching up with Henry straight after this. Plus we'll get an update on Asfura who goes around first up at Caulfield on Saturday. Horner took Brungle Birdie to the lead. Bellex one is after him. Then followed Tolmac and Castro Francaroo. I think that's the race to the second last. Brungle Birdie over it in front for Horner. Bellex one's the challenger. Then Castro Francaroo. Brungle Birdie's got one to get over in the national. He gets over it well. The locals three legs in front. Bellex one's out on his feet. Then Castro Francaroo. But it's Brungle Birdie in front. And Brungle Birdie's going to cause a big boil over for Horner, who has a look around and sees a national victory. Five links to Bellex. It was one, one of the great Castro training performances. Brungle Birdie had a late start to the season, the jumping season. He's eight-year-old by Canford Cliffs. He was fourth in the Chris Steeplechase behind Stern Idol, and he was given no chance, basically, 
there on Sunday afternoon on his home track. Um, but he bolted home. Stern Idol was a disappointment. He was out the back. But Brungle Birdie, um, one of Henry DeWise, I, I would imagine, greatest moments in his racing career. And he joins us now. Henry, take a bow. Congratulations. Is it sunk in over the last couple of days that you're able to achieve what you did there on Sunday with this galloper? Uh, thanks, G-Man. Very kind words. Uh, yeah, look, it, it's been a long-range plan, so it's been in the in the works for a long time. Um, the horse, he's just, he's just a slow horse, and he gets too dour too quickly. So last year we went through the whole season with him, and he, by the time he got to Grand National Day, he, he didn't run in the Grand National, he ran in the Novice Stable, but he was just far too far too dour. So we just thought we'd um, just target the second half of the season with him, give him a light lead-up, and yeah, have him peaking on this day, which he obviously did. And he just didn't win. He was the winner a long way from home. Were you confident that he could produce a performance like that? Obviously, Stern Idol, I don't think in my time following jumps racing have I ever seen a horse with a bigger spruik on him and everyone thought he would just turn up and and win. Did you think in your wild imagination um, that you could defeat that horse? Oh, look, if, if he turned up in his best form, probably not. Um, and that dampen your confidence a bit as I, I said after the race um you know we we could very well if Stan Idol had turned up and, and won as he liked which was a fair possibility given the dollar thirty chance we would have gone through the whole season without winning a race um with a nice horse and that's just that's just how jumps racing is like you you set them particular races and you have lead-up runs and that sort of stuff that they can't quite win and your big day you run into a horse like that so obviously we're glad he didn't run up to his best but uh it's hard to, to think you're going to knock off a horse like that if they do run on their best. So I think Lee came out before the race and said he wanted to take it on and eyeball and the rest of it. Like, it doesn't even bother. Like, if it runs up to its best, it'll win. We just need to hope it doesn't. So let's just sit in behind it, just um, have a cosy run. And he rode it beautifully. He sort of was one out, one back the whole way. As you said, he never really looked like getting beaten. Um, no. He sort of trucked up really well. Every, every jump he popped out and wanted to get going and Lee just popped him back in and was nice and patient and exposed him about the 800 and just really trucked into it and ran away from him. So when you have a look at his form, this preparation, he's been okay. But as you said, you've set him for this race. Um, these jumpers must be a real challenge for, for the trainers because you only get, what, four or five runs as you did this preparation with him. But I guess it's a 12-month process trying to work out the best possible plan for a horse like this. So how long does he have to be in work for so you can reach the fitness um, like you did there on, on Sunday? Oh, look, there's two races this horse can, two feature races this horse can probably win each season, and that's the Grand Annual and the Grand National. I just took the view that it's incredibly hard to have them peaking for a Grand Annual in May and a Grand National in August, so yeah. we had to choose one of them, and I just thought that the Ballarat race was a better, given it was likely in a not a heavy track, which we didn't end up getting, but... Big flat track suits him a lot better than um, Warnable where you're going up and down and round corners. He's just such a big sort of, um, just a big slow horse. Like you just need the big flat galloping track, um, which we saw the other day. So he's been in work a long time, but as I said, we've spared his runs and his form's been really good. Like he, he ran first up on, over the jumps on a bottomless track at Warnable and ran second. Um, his run on the crisp the other day was, terrific he you couldn't see it like they've got those new camera angles now they sort of at some of the jumps they come to the front of the jump and sort of pan up and, and just at the time when he got knocked down by a fallen horse and you couldn't see what happened like when they went back to the field he was 20 lengths back from where he was so it wasn't until Lee Horner came back and said that he nearly fell and I was going to pull him up that um, we sort of knew the significance of it um, 
but you, you couldn't see that. There's no stewards vision or anything, so it just looked like a plain run. But he made up probably 30 or 40 lengths in the last 800. So we, we had confidence after that. We just yeah, probably needed a wet track to bring the favourite back to us. But as it turns out, it didn't run up to its best and we didn't get the wet track. So it all worked out okay. Did you have a bet? Uh, I didn't, but it's, it's hard to... In hard to have dollar yeah. thirty favourites and the rest of it, but I'll, I'll tell you a story. We had yeah. sixty owners here in the tea house, which yeah. is a great spot. It's sort of on the last jump there, and they were obviously lifting the lid off the joint. And um, Cratsy, my um, my man who was running the punters club there, yeah. we had he'd, he'd had about thirty bets around the country for the punters club. Everyone tipped in a hundred. We had a pool of eight grand. Yeah. Um, he down on about two thousand. He had two thousand to place on Rungle Thirty. <laughs> <which he left. laughs> It's shameful, baby. <laughs> you should have been walked out straight up. Security, <laughs> out you go, son. Sitting there for the jumps process. Yeah, not even like 500 by 1,500, 2,000 a place. Something, Gareth. Oh, something. something. Um, what about jumps racing, mate? How do you think it's travelling? Like, I, I think that it's been hats off to everybody involved in the sport um, because it was on, on its knees and they've been able to – make it safer. And I think the jockeys play a major part when their horses are tired, they pull them out of the race. What I would like to see Henry is that if we're going to have a fair dinkum crack at this caper, I think we need to start breeding proper jumpers. Do you think that would be ever possible in this country? Well, this horse is probably as close as you can go to breeding a proper jumper. He's, yep. he's, he's you know, bred down in Caston. He, he was never broken into. There was three or four. He was just always earmarked for it. And, I think that's the difference. It's not so much the breeding, it's more the development early. There's no point having them up and going at two-year-olds. Everything you do early with them yeah. is counterproductive to doing what's late. And this horse, he's an eight-year-old, but he's only just maturing now. That's just the sort of horse he is. So I think, you know, I know Europe's got their national hunt breeding scene, uh, breeding scene and that sort of stuff, but most of their national hunt stains are just failed flat stains anyway. So yeah. I just think it's the, it's the education of them and the patience with them and the rest of it. Um, and as you alluded to earlier, like it's it's contingent upon the the participants to, to make sure it's safe. It's you know when we don't send horses that aren't fully educated that are more likely to have a fall than other yeah. horses. It's just so important that we're not you know showcasing horses that can't jump properly. So the jumps are safe. The horses are better educated. Prize money's good as we saw on Saturday. Um, it's very popular. Dif- different sort of um, different supporter group. Like we're walking around on. Sunday, there's a lot of sort of tweed jackets with leather patches on them. Very Western District sort of farmer sort of setup. But uh, no, it's terrific. It's good. We enjoy it tremendously. But it's, it is a lot of work if you've got bad like slow jumpers. We 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 try and have two or three each season, but they need to be good ones to, to sort of warrant it. Yeah. What about on Saturday? Talking about good ones, did we get to see his furrow back at the races? Yeah, she'll she'll front up at Caulfield. Um, Beautiful. I'd love a bit of singing out of the track for her. I know there's some rain forecast for Savo, but I don't think, I think it'll probably end up good on Saturday. But uh, she's in terrific order. She's really, really good. She had a jump out at uh, stall last week and, and really went well and came through it well. Had a little gallop this morning, really pulled up well from it and just couldn't be happier at this stage. So it looks a, a suitable race on Noms and she'll probably go around a short price favourite and hopefully justify it. That run in the quokka, I was watching the replay once again. She was out of this world over the 1,200. I thought, oh, I don't know about you. I think it was nearly career best best run for her that day. Yeah, well, we were both there, obviously, and I was out there in that back sort of yep. old betting ring area watching it by myself. And I sort of, I don't get too emotional, but I sort of, I got about the 150-metre mark, I sort of got off my chair. I thought we were going to win. Yeah, so it wasn't until I. the last 
probably 80 metre mark, she didn't look like the winner. It was just that last 80, 70 or 80 metres that um, she really got a stitch. And yeah, unfortunately, she didn't run a place. She ended up running fourth, but they just swamped her late. But, gee, she gave a good sight and no harm in being beaten by any of the three horses that finished in front of her. So what's her main aim? Is there a group one in her this prep? The only option for a group one this prep is the Boyer. Yep. Not sure Mooney Valley is her ideal track, but she needs to win a group one. You've got in the autumn the, the Oakley Plate and the Galaxy and the Lightning over 1,000 or 1,100, and then the only one in the spring is the Boyer. So that's her goal. First up Saturday, I think she goes well fresh, so we'll just leave her four weeks into the Moyer. And then if she wins that, who knows? Um, if she doesn't win, then we'll sort of look at those rates at Caulfield, the Scalacci or the Caulfield Sprint she won last year and maybe something down the straight at Flemington over the Carnival. All right, mate. Any any whispers at Ballarat? Any horses working well in the hut? Calvin McAvoy, Dave Eustace, um, Nobby? Is there anyone? Like, have you got something for us? No, well, I'd sort no of shunned me off. Sort of, um, I've, uh, I've got the flu, so they won't come anywhere near me. So oh, I'm not okay. hearing much, to be honest. But uh, we, we had the course proper open this morning, so a few of them let a few rip there. And uh, uh, all's good in Ballarat. Beautiful day. All right, mate. Any winners today? You've got a couple that you're sending to Donald, Savvy B, and uh, Kai Cushion. Is that how you pronounce that caliper's name? And the seventh in the benchmark 58 over the 1200? Yeah, I think. Kyokushin, I think we call it. I'm not quite sure oh, what it is or why we call it that. Yep. Um, tend to run it together a little bit. Uh, Savvy B went to Adelaide last time. She actually tipped over before the start. She she flipped over and landed on the ground, and they put her in the barriers and ran her anyway. Um, she pulled up halfway, um, as you'd expect, and came home, seemed okay. So we gave her a jump out, got her barriers to get back, and Look, just need to see her do things right today and couldn't have too much confidence. And then, yeah, Kyokshin's just kicking off. He'll need probably 1,400 or a mile before he gets to his best. One of my favourite horses in your camp is Moscow Red, 10-year-old mare. Ah. Um, she's a beauty. I love her. Um, you could always put her in your quaddy. She goes around tomorrow at, at Sandown. Are you happy with her? Yeah, I, I keep trying to retire her. Yeah. She just looks at me like she wants to be there. She's the toughest sort of soundest 10-year-old she, man you've ever seen. She's it. a new-age woman. Terrific. She's a new-age because she doesn't want to have kids too early these days. So, Well, I don't think she's going to get the opportunity. I've, I've actually put her in the online sale last week with a reserve of 40 grand on her, thinking yep. that, you know, she's got a bit, she stakes place. She's got a bit of black type. Someone will find a bull for her and um, get her served. And that didn't get a bid. So <laughs> we keep racing her. She's <laughs> effectively an old gelding now. So we'll just keep racing her and... Yeah, there's just, there's just nothing wrong with her and no reason to stop. She still tries hard. She, most of those mares, they sort of get jacketed after a while, but she's just got such a will to win and loves the wet, obviously. So we just, I've got about six wet tracks because I can't find wet tracks for her at the moment. So I hope there's a bit of rain tonight. All right, mate. Thanks for the chat. Well done on Sunday. Good luck with this fur on Saturday as well. And um, good luck today, Donald. We appreciate your time, right, mate. Thanks. Thanks, Gareth. See you, mate. Bye. The superstar, Henry DeWire there. Hopefully it gets better too with that flu. 8.30, let's take the news. Imagine what you could be buying instead. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. And away. Postman Pat jumped okay. Great speed out from Aussie Rocks is going to get across. Aussie Rocks leads into the first turn. Postman Pat second. Sage Tenniel's up to third. Tinker Norman's closing in strongly. Next in the field was Bears Bullet clear of Raver's Army. Raiders Guide and last of all was Modern Swinger. They bunch off the back. It's Aussie Rocks in front. Postman Pat Tinker Norm's looming large. Around the turn. Tinker Norm's run to the lead. Tinker Norm running on Sage Tenniel. Sage Tenniel! 
Sage Daniels won the final. It was unbelievable stuff. I remember having a chat to Cody Charles after Sage Daniel calls an upset from a wide box to win the WA Sprinting Championship, and that allowed her to go and represent WA in the Nationals at the Meadows on Saturday night. I honestly probably didn't believe that she could win it, but then she drew box number two, and I thought, I've just got to watch this. I'll cheer her home. And then when she was close enough, when they swung for home, I thought, hang on, she's a chance here. And then she sprouted wings. She's the greyhound that no one wanted, and now she's a national champ. She was the story of the weekend. She could just be the story of the year for mine. Cody, take a bow. Congratulations, mate. I'm so proud of you. What a performance by this special dog. Thanks, Gareth. Mate, it really was a dream coming true. It's uh, something you dream of as a kid to, to win a Group 1, and we don't have a lot of Group 1s here in WA, so that was my first even Group 1 runner. So to actually head over there to the Big Smoke at the Meadows and um, and actually you know, it become a reality was unbelievable. But to do it with a dog that no one wanted. It's been an incredible story, Gareth. Absolutely. You know, just from the start, do you want me to run through it? Yes, please. Just, yeah. Yeah. So she was purchased as a pup um, in New South Wales and um, I left her over there to be reared and then she was, went to the breakers over there as well. So I'd never actually seen the dog and they do a four week course, which, we probably expect too much of them, really, especially when they've, you know, come out of the paddocks and you've been at someone else's place. You don't know how much handling they've had and all that. And, you know, they go to the breakers and they're there for four weeks and you just expect them to run time. And we probably do ask a lot of them. But she went there and wouldn't would not go around the track by herself at all. But she would sort of half follow another dog around. And being in WA, I thought, well, it's a long way to come. It's going to be a very long process. Or maybe you'll just, you know, put it on the internet. If someone wants to give her a go that's got more time than I have, um, they're welcome to. So I put her up on the Greyhound data as a giveaway. If anyone wanted her, it was theirs. She was there for a couple of days. There, was, there wasn't a single bite. So I just thought I had a litter that I had to break in myself here in WA. So I thought I'll just bring her home and maybe just put her through the system and see what we can do. So we did that. We, we started with the basics with um, the drag lure, which actually just you know gives them that natural chase instinct, gets their head down and teaches them how to run sort of thing. So we did that. And then we went to the the, the break-in place, and um, we um, put a drag lure on, which is around the circle there, and she went around the first time, and the guy that said to, that, that runs that track said, mate, if you still want to get rid of her, I'll, I'll pay the flight and I'll take her. And I said, nah, mate, we better not do that. I, she's gone good. So we pressed on with that with a break-in process, and um, she started to actually show some nice times when she started going to the racetrack, bringing her through in pre-training. Um, and then I named her after my daughter, Sage Tennille, um, and that story there in itself is I had an elder sister that passed away uh, prematurely. She was born at 29 weeks, lived lived for like seven days, um, and then passed away, and her name was Tennille Erin. So when me and Brittany had a daughter, we really wanted her to carry the middle name Tennille. So that's where the, the name Sage Tennille comes from, so that means a lot to us and, and the family. So that's how she got her name, and then we went to the races, and she was sort of slow beginner, wanted to go to the fence and um, probably the form wasn't there as what she was trialling. Obviously, we thought she could run a bit. That's why she got the got a good name. Um, but it took us about, I think the first 20 starts, she won three races. And then six or seven weeks ago, the penny must have just dropped. You know, she'd come out and she won at Cannington. The next week we went back to Cannington and she actually jumped for the first time in her whole career. And, and I thought to myself, she's going to break 30 seconds tonight. And she stopped the clock in 29.63. 
And then I started to think, oh, this is, you know, that was an incredible run. And at this point, I'd already had a nominated for Northern, which is, you know, country bush track over here. A few people said, oh, don't take her there. And I still thought I would, you know, it's one run that she's put in. We're still going to go to Northern for the Dale Cup heats. And she won that heat in 29.17. I think it was the seventh fastest time ever recorded the track. So I started to think, gee, we've got something here. But the box draw came out for that final. She drew box six, and her box statistics were terrible out wide. She'd won. Uh, she had 14 starts, I think, from outside box five, and she'd run three or four places. That was it. I then went to the final, drew box six, pretty much gave her no hope in that because of the box draw, and things didn't really go to plan. She got caught up outside the other dog and run fifth, and then we nominated her through it in the deep end in the national sprint heats here in Perth, come up with box eight, said to Brittany, she's no hope should just scratch her. And Brittany said, you're not scratching us, you know. You never know. Mm. And the rest is history. She won a heat of the WA Sprint at 25 to 1. She then went to the, the state final, drew box two. I actually had a little bit of confidence there that she could win that. And she did. It was a huge performance in that. And then, obviously, that gave us the ticket to go to Melbourne. Um, we went over there. We stayed at Jason and Shona Thompson's place. The dog settled in absolutely beautiful. It was a magnificent um, facilities that they have over there. So that made the job easier. The dog was happy. I was happy. I was relaxed. The dog trialed 29.88 at the Meadows first look, which um, which I thought was really good. I thought she probably had to break 30 seconds realistically to be some sort of a chance. Um, so to break 30 on a first look and handle the track so well gave me a little bit of confidence. And then later in the week, the box draw came out and she drew box two which I think she's unbeaten from. Um, my confidence grew a little bit more. Tinker Norm drew box one. I had the slightest concern that he can use a bit of the track. We just, I was half worried if she improves a bit early, she might get caught outside of it. But come race night, for her, she 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 begun absolutely beautiful, crossed straight over and sat third. And then down the back, it was just a matter of um, a little bit of luck. She was encamped in behind him. I knew she was going to be strong. Um, and yeah, she 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 got a run through and hooked to the outside and just let wow. put down the power burners late and got up late on the line. So it was um it was just left me speechless. It was just amazing. It's funny how these 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 athletes can teach you lessons. I think she can teach you a lesson in life that you can that no one should ever give up on anyone really. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, the amount of times that when I have had dogs breaking in over east and they don't you know, break into the standard that you think that you need them to be at. Um, I have moved some on. So luckily for me to this day, none of them have won a group one because if one of them had a footy, when we're talking to you right now, yeah. <laughs> I've had so, depression. <laughs> what do you do with her now? So um, she's just come, we come home straight away on Sunday. So it's, it's taken us a couple, you know, a couple of days to settle back in here. It's been full on. And um, the amount of messages and that I've had from people has been overwhelming and um, greatly appreciated. So it's been wonderful to the industry. So thank you for that. And we've come home. We're going to have an easy week. Uh, the first four across the line the other day are actually qualifiers straight through to the semifinals of the Million Dollar Chase. Yep. So I think when you've got a foot in the door there and you're only one step away, I mean, God, it's going to be hard though, but I think you've got to give it a crack. So at this point, we're probably eyeing off the uh, Million Dollar Chase semifinals, which are about the 6th of October. Mate, um, it's some story, as I said, this is what dreams are made of. Your first group one with a dog that um, you didn't think was possible. And you name it after your daughter and your late sister. It's um, a stuff of dreams. So congratulations, Charlesy. Enjoy the moment. Soak it up. And hopefully there's plenty more in store with her. And, um, yeah, um, uh, 
blown away with what she did there on Saturday night. So enjoy the moment, mate. Well done. Thanks very much, mate. We certainly will. And, um, yep, we'll, we'll keep on pushing and um, hope there's a few more wins in store there. Good on you. There's Cody Charles, the, the winning trainer there of Sage to Neil that took out the National Sprint Championship at the Meadows on Saturday night. That is some story. 8.48, let's take a break. On the other side of it, we'll stay in WA. Daniel Daniel Pierce will join us because, along with his brother Benny, they tasted success at Mooney Valley with their star sprinter, Acromantula, who led all of the way in the listed car line stakes. Acromantula glides towards the corner at the 300 metres, a length and a half to snap her off its back. Omni-Man hypothetical, Ashford Street in the next line. Acromantula, 150 metres to go, led by a length and a half to Hypothetical, who's finishing well, but Acromantula... Mantula, too fast, too quick, won it by a leap. The speed, uh, the speed star from Perth, too strong. The son of Ritten Tycoon, trained by the Pierce brothers at Carnup, just outside of WA and um, just outside of Perth, I should say, in WA. And um, he showed his class there with that brilliant beginning and then he rode like a greyhound to win easily. And the Pierce brothers are very good trainers and that was great to see them win there at Mooney Valley on Saturday. And Dan Pierce joins us on Giddy Up on this Tuesday morning, Acromantula too strong, PC. Well done, Dan. It was some performance by your galloper. You must have been proud in proud of him there on Saturday. Yeah, morning, mate. Um, yeah, we were really happy, um, and we've uh, and we've obviously uh, travelled over to Victoria previously, and we've um, we've had a couple of uh, close calls. So um, so yeah, look, it was nice to uh, nice to get him over the line, and uh, yeah, show everyone what he can do. I guess was it the good track that helped his cause a little bit as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I mean, there's, uh, you know, he's, he's shown he can uh, he can do that previously. He's, uh, he's won his share of races here in Perth, and uh, and that's uh, that's how he's won them. Um, so uh, so yeah, look, it wasn't, uh, you know, he's a horse that showed showed that level of ability. So um, so yeah, it was nice to see him put it all together. And he's one of those horses that now he's just had an awkward rating there in WA. You can either compete in the really good races, which are few and far between there in WA. Um, or you can come here with more options, of course, in, in Victoria and other parts of the country. How long do you keep him in in Victoria for now? Um, well, we had the plan of the four runs. Um, you'll yep. go to the McEwen, um, McEwen next and then three weeks to the Moyer. Um, and then, yeah, we'll just, we'll just see how we go from there, I guess. Um, there is the option to bring him back, um, back to Perth, um, a, uh, for a winter bottom um, sort of preparation, um, and uh, you know that's always in the back of our minds. But uh, but yeah, look, I'll say whilst he's uh, whilst he's there and uh, and performing, then uh, then that's probably the path we'll go down. Do you think that a thousand metres at the Valley in a Moyer Stakes that he's got the the capabilities of winning a Group One? Yeah, I do. Like he he, he couldn't have done much more on Saturday. Um, uh, he ran solid time and. Uh, um, uh, yeah, so look, if he uh, he's obviously got a liking to the track and uh, and the distance and uh, and yeah, look, oh yeah, yeah, look, we we dare to dream, I guess. Yeah, and um, you've been close, haven't you, at the Valley? I remember Touch of Silver, wasn't it? Hawley wrote, did did Peter Hall ride him that day? Uh, no, 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 um, Ben Mellum, uh, oh, Benny Mellum, Silver, um, yeah, Vital the, Silver, uh, sorry, yeah. Um, Flash so down the yeah, outside. He ran second there. Yeah, that's it. And we had Angelic Ruler run second in the. Uh, in the uh, in a stakes race there um, a few years ago, so um, so yeah, look, it was, like I say, it was nice nice to uh, nice to stand in the winner's stall there for, for a change. And you must have been happy with the season that you yourself and Benny have had. 
Yeah, really happy, and uh, and you know we're we're building building nicely. We've got the biggest uh, biggest batch of yearlings we've uh, we've ever had this year um, uh, out of the sales. So um, so yeah, look, everything's uh, everything's ticking along in the right direction. What would be your best horse outside of Acromantula? Uh, well, we've got we've got a couple of nice uh, couple of nice babies coming through, yeah. um, but um, uh, but yeah, look, uh, he's uh, he's obviously our uh, our star at the moment. Yeah, and what about Pacific Lady tomorrow? Should we have something on that galloper with Pikey riding? Yeah, just drawn a little bit sticky. Um, was very good last week. Um, Pikey was really positive getting off her. Um, so um, uh, yeah, just uh, leave it to Pikey to work it out from there. But uh, but she's certainly going well. Are you on the working holiday this year? Uh, we're sort of going backwards and forwards. So, yeah. um, so yeah. To be, to be honest, Ben uh, Ben flew over on the uh, on the Friday, galloped him on the Saturday, and worked him over the weekend, and did all the hard work. And then that, then we switched midway through the week, and uh, and I got to come over and yeah. uh, go out for a couple of lunches and accept yeah. the trophy. So it uh, <laughs> so it certainly worked well for me. That's yeah. for sure. Well, you're the boss of the organisation. Um, I know you work your brother to the to the bones there because he actually rides track work, and you just boss everybody around as you wash down. Watch down those horses, or is the old man still the boss? What's that? Sorry, is the old man still? Is the, the old man still yeah, the or boss? You, or you, do you uh, allow him back into the stables? We've managed to relocate him down to uh, down to our uh, <laughs> house on the canals in uh, in Mandra now. So uh, so we let him. We do let him in every now and then to uh, to come and mow the grass <laughs> and tell us what we're doing wrong. So uh, so it all all still working well. On your piercing, congratulations, mate. So happy for you. Well done. Um, send my congratulations to Benny and your team. It was great to see. And I tell you what, you got a dream and who knows, around the valley on a hot in, on a on a track where you want to be on the on the fence, um, you could just win a Moya stakes with that speed. So well done, mate, and good luck going forward. Thanks, mate. Cheers. There's Dan Pierce there. He'll take on Giga Kick at the Valley in the mid queue. So we wish the, the WA horse the best of luck there. That was the Bet365 Country Racing Hour. Thanks to Bet365. Love that hour. So many wonderful stories once again on this Tuesday. We'll take the news on the other side of it. Greyhound journalist Peter Davis will be joining me. Great to be with you on this Tuesday morning, four minutes past nine. If you missed any of the interviews from the first hour, the Bet365 Country Racing Hour, all you need to do is subscribe to Giddy Up with Gareth Hall. So many wonderful stories. Daniel Pierce with... Acromantula there at the Valley on Saturday, winning the Carline Stakes, now dreaming of winning a Moya. Great to catch up with Henry DeWire about Brungle Bertie and that training performance there to win the Grand National Steeplechase on his home track at Ballarat. Sioni, this, this mare that just keeps on getting better to win the Leon McDonald for Patrick Payne and the story of the week. In fact, it'll be hard to beat for this year. Sage Tennille, the greyhound that no one wanted. And now she is a national champ after winning the sprint championship there at the Meadows on Saturday night. This man has been a legend in the greyhound industry as a journalist for many a year. I speak of Pete Davis and he joins us now to discuss a few issues in greyhound racing that surfaced um, during the week of the nationals. And Pete, good morning to you. That is some story of Tage, uh, Sage to Neil to, to win a race like that, named after Cody Charles's daughter and late sister he first yep. group one and he put her online and no one wanted her. Unbelievable stuff. It's quite remarkable, Gareth, and good morning. It's um I suppose in the Gallup world the takeover target story is a little yeah. bit on a parallel um plane. But for this dog I you know, I wrote in my column in the Greyhound Recorder on Sunday, the first three starts well a third start, she ran uh, last and finished at fifty to one in a maiden and you know, 
turns that around to win a Group 1 against some of the best dogs in the country. And, you know, in all fairness, Postman Pat, who, who is just a superstar, he got the second and, you know, you would think he'd run away with it from there, but she positioned herself behind him and ran over the top. And as you said, Cody Charles' story about, um, you know, his, um, his whole backstory to the yep. name of the dog is quite remarkable. But, yeah, just the transition from maiden in after three, or maiden after many start, maiden after three, but she won her fourth. And then her SP profile, which people, a lot of punters take notice of, yeah. um, Gareth, is $19. And, you know, she's rarely been considered the best dog in any race. Yeah, and we, yet she wins a group one against these elite dogs. So how many, do you, do you think that there's some greyhounds out there that just haven't given the opportunity that like a, tage, uh, a sage to Neil has? And, and I remember talking to a few trainers, like if you purchase a dog and your dog doesn't get broken in as well as you thought, you shouldn't dampen your enthusiasm because um, the, the switch flick for her after 20 odd starts, it sounds like, was sage to Neil. Mm -hmm. And then, like a tig along Tonk, couldn't get out of his own way at the trials, yep. and took him a little while to hit his yep. full ability. So it does happen in the sport of greyhound racing. Yeah, patience um, is something that um, I see Bart Cummings said. You know, it, it, you can't buy him; it's very rare or something yeah. to that tone. But as it turns out, I've got uh, a very good litter racing right now, and um, my dogs break in at, at um, the Manning facility uh, in uh, Eaglehawk near Bendigo, and. Um, I have a sort of a point where I know what they I need them to run, and I've got um, three retirees here now: Showdown, Sunburst, and Shay, who won roughly six hundred thousand dollars as breakings. Um, oh, sorry, as race dogs and terrific dogs, and um, they ran nineteen two, nineteen three at breaking and around that mark. I've got a, a young girl here by Wow who ran eighteen eighty six, and it's just remarkable. But my 19.5 dogs sometimes come down to match those, and some of my fast dogs don't step up. So it's yeah. a, it is a patience thing, absolute balance that you've got to have, and you've got to understand the dog's temperament as well, Gareth. Um, Pete, there was some great racing at the Meadows on Saturday night, but there was some important discussion amongst administrators as well during the week in Melbourne for the Nationals. And I read your article in the Recorder, and it's a terrific um piece, the, an opinion piece that you put out each and every week there and um, the Sunday afternoon finish on. And I was fascinated to read about the the challenges that greyhound racing faces with society basically being accepted in um, yeah. the today's world and making sure that everybody um, is made accountable so this great, yeah. great sport can continue on. Um, well, I think all three codes are under pressure. Correct. Um, but Greyhounds, so Greyhounds more than the other two codes, like we saw in Adelaide, it seems to me that, um, that like, yeah, they have to be extra careful, the sport of Greyhound well, racing. Well, the problem for Greyhounds, in inverted commas, is the fact that you can't stick a standard bearer or a thoroughbred in your um, 600-metre yep. square block in suburbia. Correct. Um, a Greyhound, you can. We also have litters of Greyhounds and not single foldings. Um so, but the perspective really is, Gareth, that 99% of the time, um, the general public cares not for um, for greyhound racing or maybe thoroughbred racing, for that matter. But 99% of the time, they care about animal welfare, and that's and that's fair. I mean, we we've got to be mindful of the whole of life tracking that greyhound racing now has, 
and it's very, very important because through the McHugh report and the darkness of the um, ABC's Four Corners program back in 2015, there were lies purported to the McHugh um, Special Commission that were never redacted, were never challenged, and they were untrue, Gareth. Now we fortunately can fight these. But this will not stop the people um, who are um, anti-racing offering up absolute rubbish. And that's what Simon Stout, um, I addressed with him, and we addressed at the... um, at the forum on on Thursday, I think it was. But the important part of that is also that the animal activists are not constrained by the truth. I went to Vietnam and actually saw a facility at Bay Area where the greyhounds, um, the Vietnamese greyhounds are born, reared and raced from. And they, animal activists actually paid a vet to fraudulently to poison a dog and say this is what they do here to euthanize them. It was completely untrue, and I've got a document from the Vietnamese government saying they were attempting to arrest and or charge and arrest this doctor, no NGO, but he disappeared to Laos or Cambodia and they couldn't catch him. So there's there's no aspect of this that uh, can be qualified when when the actual activists are going out and planting stuff and doing stuff that we. A little bit like the Ludwig case, I suppose, with the cattle exports. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's a very tough time, Gareth. Is there is it? There's another story that the ABC are putting together as we speak. Do you know any details regarding that, Pete? I don't know the background to the whole story, but I, uh, Simon did say that he has an appointment with the ABC on 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 a story on greyhound racing. So we've got to wait to see what that really encompasses. But um, Simon is. Uh, vastly experienced in the racing world. He knows what's up. Um, We're in a a much better place to defend ourselves. But the point is, you can't unring the bell, Gareth. You know, once someone says something, people believe it is the truth. And the the defence point of that is sometimes not heard. So that's the particularly difficult thing. But every greyhound person is responsible to everybody now. I'm sure in harness racing or um, the gallops, there's some cruelty... um, put out or some the wrongdoing it harms everybody and we, we've really be, got to be conscious of that yeah so, yeah i i, if I agree. someone's doing the wrong thing we need to put our hand up 100 yeah. percent. and I, I was i read your story and i mentioned this a few weeks back and i was passionate about this regarding what happened in south australia now i think especially the people on the racing game they've been taught not to throw your, your colleagues under the bus but those people especially in the sport of greyhound racing that are doing the wrong thing uh, jeopardizing your livelihood, your careers, because 99% of the industry that I know, they love their animals, that they look yeah. after their animals better than they look after themselves. You walk into a kennel um, and the owner or one of the workers walks into the kennel with their black and white clothes on, the greyhounds are going off their head because they know that it's time to go to the races and they all want to go to yeah. the races. Like we need to show those type of stories. But if you're a greyhound participant and you're doing the wrong thing and you think it's still okay in today's world and you get caught and then you cause your mates to lose their livelihoods and their children to lose their dreams of competing in the sport that they love and work with animals that they love, then it's, you, sh- it's you, should, be th- you should be thrown in jail and the key thrown away. But it's it, the ramifications are far greater than that. You're ruining people's lives and you're yep. ruining their reputations. 
hundred percent. And and society um, has all sorts of bad dudes in it. I mean, Correct. without without laws of the land, we've got anarchy. Without um, rules, we won't have jails. And I mean, there's bad people in every part of society, but we get blamed. And um, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's malicious. Some of this stuff that's coming out that it's intended and it's it's um, formulated to harm. Yet people are being set up, and that's difficult. But you're right, Gareth. I mean, the integrity side of things is improved massively the um um the actual animal welfare is we should be proud of that now the rehoming processes that are in place um you know and i've got people coming back to me wanting another greyhound after another greyhound yeah. the most perfect canine to have as a pet but you know unfortunately we we have an odd injury on the track which have been greatly diminished by better track design and and certainly in years gone by infrastructure wasn't supported the way it is now and we've had great um, advances in the money available to greyhound racing which was harmed in new south wales as you may well be aware through the um intercode agreement from 1996 where we didn't we didn't get our fair share of yep. the um, cake but it, it's it's turned around now with the wagering model changed so much to fixed odds and the point of consumption race fields legislation etc providing a better income stream so pete so obviously the welfare situation will always be a challenge there for greyhound um, racing and all three codes, as you pointed out in that article, and I think we kick up for racing and what Vicky Lennon's doing at the moment for thoroughbred and a little bit for standard breeders. We're starting to um, make sure we're not complacent in that area anymore because the animal activists have been vicious on social media with their algorithms for so long and we've had to play catch up, but I think we're getting there at the moment. The other issue that um, with greyhound racing is like we were probably breeding too many dogs once upon a time and we we're putting more races on um, to make sure that we accommodate those dogs. But now uh, have we got that balance right? Do you think that we're breeding enough for racing or do you think that's something that we need to look at as well? Well, breeding of greyhounds dived in New South Wales by 80% in 2015, 16, when the ban um, was announced. And you can understand that people going, well, I, I can't be doing this. Yeah. But it's come back to a very manageable level. And I was talking to Brent and Scott from um, RQ the other day, and I think their number, litter number, or their actual whelping totals, 1,300 annually, which is um, absolutely manageable for them. I don't know the exact numbers, New South Wales, Victoria, but there is um, a genuine focus on that. And the overbreeding um, is difficult to um, sort of uh, prosecute, really, um, Gareth, because litter sizes can vary from two to 12. So, I mean, where do you say to somebody you can have four litters a year and they have small litters or you can have four litters a year yeah. and you have a very four large litter? So that's something they are mindful of. And, you know, it's something that's under constant surveillance. Um, I don't think there's any neat answer to that, but we've got to be mindful of the whole of life process that quick through their e-tracking. Yeah has uh, initiated. And it's a bit like when having a chat to Henry Dwyer with jumps racing is that the participants need to take responsibility in a way. If their, their jumpers aren't ready to jump, then don't jump them. If the jockeys feel that yep. their horse is tied, then don't put them over that jump. So you, mm -hmm. you take the risk out of your hand. I think it's the same with greyhound racing. If you, yep. um, you breed numbers that you think you can sell and sell to the right people. And if you're yep. confident that you can do that, then go and do it. But if you're not, then, then I guess that you yeah. need to have a look at your business structure. And the other aspect to that, Gareth, really, in a in a the cold light of day, is selling a dog that's not fast enough for you. Is that only shifting the problem to somebody else? Yeah. 
so, so that that's in my mindset as well. I've been very lucky. We've bred whole litters. I had a dog one at a, a maid at Ipswich on Saturday night in 30 and 81, and she is genuinely the slowest dog in that litter. And people said, that's remarkable. I mean, I've been fortunate, but, you know, I, 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 that won't always be the case of my dogs, you know. So, But um, I've got seven retirees here. I've got one ready to go into adoption, um, but my seven stay here with me. You know, um, that's just my cost and my yeah. um, my background to um, the whole of life process. One one girl's 13 and a half. She won the 2013 Paws of Thunder Shaker. Um, she's here on the lounge next to me, Gareth. I mean, that's the way that 99% of people look after their dogs, but we don't get any credit for that. So no. that's different. I, I, I could talk to you all day. I'm, I'm fascinated with a few of the insights in the racing industry and how it's going at the moment. We'll get you on again next week, Pete. But I've got a couple more questions. Is this, yep. the, is this, is it, can this be done? And this is just me thinking and talking to a few people of late. If you breed more dogs and they're slow, can you put races on for slow dogs? Hundred percent. Well, I mean, why don't I mean, we then? Why can't we go well, like well, well, thirty-one we seconds, we thirty-two? We do. Um, I'll give you an. South Australia have time-rated races, which is lot, no different to a harness racing. Put a uh, two minutes oh five rating race on for yeah. two minute oh five race horse uh, standard breeds. Yeah. I mean, what's wrong with that? I, I was at Bayaria at the track one Saturday night in Vietnam in Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City, and um, these these eight dogs went around, and if let's say they run. 29.5 at Sandown, they ran 34 seconds and it was quite hilarious to me. The crowd was cheering and carrying on. They went over the line together, but eventually there was a winner. It wasn't a great spectacle to my eye, but the locals were just fascinated. They thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And um, we should be investigating time rated um, grading across the country. I, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for that, but getting the purists, as you see, some people think the past has got something to do with the future, Gareth. We've got to evolve and think of new ways to do this and better ways to do it. And the preferential box draw that they've instituted here as a trial, whilst it has critics because seven dogs in one race are deemed railers and people say, well, this is not working. Well, it will in time. They've just got to give it time. But yeah. if preferential box draws stop dogs getting poleaxed at the first quarter by a wide runner or a railer going the wrong way, that's going to lessen injuries. That's going to help everybody whether it's veterinary costs, whether it's the welfare of the dog, whether it's dog's time on the track, whether it's their confidence, the whole range of processes that are assisted by that have to be um, understood. Seems to be working okay in New Zealand when we have a chat to Matty Clary. He he's, um, tips yep. a lot in those, those, those races there when, when, it's the, um, when the dogs get their, 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 their draw that should suit them. The other one with the punting dollar these days and the revenue streams, how big of a challenge is that for the three racing codes, but Greyhound Racing, especially in your eyes? I guess Harness Racing faces the bigger challenges there, but um, with the totes, like, do we need to have just the one tote to help with the pulls with the with the tab? Um, what's well, your... I think our big, I think our biggest challenge, really, and you you would understand this, Gareth, that the the, the paramutual wagering dollar has crashed. We understand that, and the marketing of the um, the likes of um, the PRAs, um, the, 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 the Ladbrokes, the Bet365, the sports bets have got in everyone's mindset. Now, the problem, I think, the greatest problem to racing is the point of consumption tax going up all the time. Now, if, a, if let's say, you or I turned over a, a random number, $100,000 a year, 
and the tax is 7%, that's $7,000. Now, if I'm losing, as a punter, $5,000 a year, even though I'm a loser, it's still costing that corporate entity money to have me as a customer. And that, that, is, that is crippling for them. And if you extrapolate that out, if it's a million dollars, obviously they're losing $20,000 a year. So the, the corporates are tending to not want these big punters and the big punters um, generate turnover. They generate tax so that if they drop away, there's less tax, therefore there's less income. The politicians don't get it, um, Garrett. Now, it's an interesting. I think there's a fine line too um, because yeah. you need to, with no tote, that's a different way that the revenue streams come back into the game now. So you need to work out a, a fair tax for everybody. Um, yes, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, uh, and the less tax, um, I know that... They haven't um, paid much tax over the years, some of those corporates up in the NT, Pete. I, I get that. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I know that um, Top Sport legitimately tried to downturn their their inc- their um, turnover because they were paying too much tax. Yeah. Now, no. that, that, that ultimately is less tax to Treasury. Absolutely less tax to Treasury. Not less tax to punters, less money to punters. So um, everyone's hurt. Yeah. So, anyway. No, it's a fine, but, um, yeah, it's a fine line that we need to get right. I don't think we've got it right at the moment. But um, no, I agree. But yeah. I mean, there needs to be more discussion with smarter 100%. people than I. But um, yeah. but the, the greyhound racing is going from strength to strength in respect of its um its whole integrity and welfare processes, yeah. which were really important, um, Gareth. And you know, we got great support from Anthony Carbines, the uh, Victorian racing mating police and crime prevention minister, the other day. Um, but, you know, it's, it's up to the individual, not to the politicians to make this right, because they will only act on what they see. And if we're doing the right thing, they'll do the right thing. Enjoy your work, Pete. We'll catch up with you more often on no, Giddy Up because you're a star. And I love your work there with the, the, the Greyhound Recorder. You can um, read that stuff. Just go to the Grey, Greyhound Recorder these days online and you've got your... Um, Sunday afternoon finish on edition each and every week. So um, it was fascinating reading this time around. We appreciate your time on Giddy Up and good luck with your dogs. Do you have a winner for us, Pete? Something out wide yeah, for I've the got, I've fast got, battlers. I've got a good young bitch um, in a Thursday night at Albion Park called Scarlatti. She's won two from two and she's a long way behind the rest of the litter in uh, fitness. She had a little toe injury. She, she had sort of jumped up on a fence and caught a, a, a pad. But she's a little bit behind them in fitness. But she's won two from two. And um, she's a rocket. Um, uh, when, when she when she gets down to um, her full fitness, well, I mean she's racing, but when she, she can do better than she's doing at the moment, mate. But I, I appreciate your time, Gareth, too, because there's some important stuff to discuss, and we want to get the truth out there, and um, you know, let people, the general public, not just understand that the antis and the the narcs of the world. And there will be a 7.30 report coming up and the focus will be shock and awe for them, but we've got to be ready for it and have answers. Yeah, well done, mate. Well said. Thanks for that, Pete. Cheers. Thank there, you. There's Pete Davis there from the Greyhound Recorder. Let's take a break. It's 9.24. Bag of tips coming up next. The Giddy Up Bag of Tips for Oz Equipment Rentals. Supplying equipment to the construction, mining and roadworks industries. OzEquipment.com. Great to be with you on this Tuesday morning, 9.34. We had a successful start to the week with Bag of Tips. We won just over five units. Mickey Gannon was the star on that occasion. It was a tough end to last week, so we needed to bounce back, and we did just that. I'll be playing at um, 
McDonald today, and we like a couple here, one at the start of the meeting and one towards the back end of the meeting as well. So we're going to have five units on Bold Jackal, race one, number one, at $1.90. And then we're going to play a horse in race number three on the card, in fact. We're going to play um, one in race number eight as well. But race number three, we are keen on uh, horse number eight, Ponty Well, first up. And have two units on that galloper at what price at $4.20. And then we're going to have a unit each way on a horse first up in race number eight for Andrew Bobbin. And that is Dirty on Harry. So that's race eight, number one. Um, race, just lost my arm. Race one, number one. And then race three, number eight. So race one, number one, Bolt Jackal, five units, two units on race three, number eight, which is Ponty Well, and then a unit each way there on Dirty on Harry, race eight, number one, at a round with bet three, six, five, um, $7 and $2.20. So that's the play there at Donald in the Wimmera today. Hopefully it's a good day's racing there. Let's catch up with uh, our man who's doing the form in New South Wales today, Luke Hovanessi, and he had a pretty good day at the office. He was... He was winning yesterday at the two New South Wales meetings at Bathurst and Kempsey. He joins us now to go through his plays at Newcastle. G'day, Luke. G'day, Gareth. How are you going, mate? Good, thank you, mate. What are you doing at Newcastle today? Yeah, so we'll start off with race three, number one, Lady Harlem. Um, this former John O'Shea horse is now under the care of Nathan Doyle, and he can peak here third up. Um, as a three-year-old, she contested some hot races in the city, including the listed 1,400-metre Reginald Allen quality. Um, she wasn't disgraced in that event, and now she returns to a distance that should suit. She draws beautifully in barrier four, gets a three-kilo claim under Ben Osmond, and finds a race shape that should suit. So it looks the value play of the meeting currently at five around 550 so I think it's worth about two units. So Lady Harlem, $5.80, so just two units straight out? Yep, two units straight out. Beautiful. And what else are you doing there, mate? Then we'll go to the next race. So race four, number seven, Die Belly. Um, this is a James Cummings horse who's been building throughout his prep. He kick-started the prep with a win. He then went down to Victoria, and he was a, uh, not disgraced, but there was a big leader bias in the day, and he couldn't really run on. He returns back to Kemble last start, had a really good run in transit, came on strongly, but just got pipped on the line by Pico Rocks, who is pretty talented. Now fourth up, he rises to 1,850 uh, metres. He should get a lovely run in transit from barrier two. Christian Reith retains the ride, and hopefully he's too strong for him late. So we'll have three units on that one. Three units at 2.10 with bet 3.65. You play any other horse there at Newcastle? No, that's all. I do have one for Corindy, if yep, you beautiful. want to throw Love one there. So, yep. so race three, number 10, Sizzle Nickel. Um, I have so much time for this four-year-old mare. I was with her a lot of her three-year-old prep, and her tactics were a bit off. Um, she's had a bit of a trainer switch to Cody Morgan, and this might be the change she needs to become a country racing star. She trialled brilliantly leading into this first up run, and she can really sprint well fresh. The wide draw doesn't help, but I'm hoping they're really positive with her and they take her straight to the front. And with 54 kilos on her back, she can hopefully burn them off. Um, Anna Roper takes the ride, and if she gets it to the front and doesn't use too much energy, she should kick really hard on the bend and hopefully salute at a great price. Beautiful. So you've got Sizzle Nickel. How many units there at 460? We'll have two on that one as well. 
you know, I like your confidence. I, I can hear some confidence in your voice, Leaky. So Newcastle, we've got Lady Harlem, two units at $5. Diabelli for Godolphin race four, number seven at Newcastle, three units at 210 And then Sizzle Nickel at Corindry, uh, Corindy, I should say, um, <laughs> race three, horse number 10 for Cody Morgan. We'll have two units at 460 mate. Yeah, perfect. Hopefully it's a three from three day. All right, then. Go and get them. Thanks for that, Luke. <laughs> Cheers, Gareth. Have a good Luke one. Luke Hovanessian from the Great Tip Off. And if you want Luke's tips throughout the week, he's on fire as well. Just subscribe to Luke Hovanessian there at the Great Tip Off. Terrific value for money. Just repeating my selections. Text messages coming through at Donald. Race one, number one, Bold Jackal. Five units at $1.90. Race three, number eight, Ponty Well. Two units there at $4.20. And then Dirty on Harry for Harry Coffee. Race eight, number one, a unit each way at $7 and $2.20. The King, Darren Carroll, joined us to go through his best there at Kilmore tonight in the trots. G'day, Daz. G'day, buddy. Yeah, the King was dethroned a bit yesterday. Uh, we lost six and a half units, so time to redeem ourselves today. Um, yeah, it's an interesting couple of days ahead, Gareth, because we've got the Vic Bread heats. Uh, um, there's six heats tonight. I think there might be seven or eight at Ballarat and... Then on again at Shepparton on Thursday night, which can bring challenging times because if we look at the first six races tonight, um, because they're two-year-olds, Emma Stewart just dominates them and um, there's some very, very long odds on favourites. So we'll have to steer clear of those and um, look towards the end of the meeting to try and get some cash. And uh, I think we can, actually. So race eight, number four, COD is my first bet. Um, this is one of those races, or the next two races, um, actually, are the races where the drivers have uh, driven less than 25 wins. Um, and what can tend to happen in these races, and I'm hoping it does in this occasion, is they're fairly genuine run races. Uh, COD doesn't have a lot of gate speed, but hits the line really hard. It's been uh, catching my eye of late, probably the last three or four runs, and it's just had you know, a win just around the corner, and I reckon it's found the right race tonight. So... Um, race eight, number four, COD. It's $4.60 at the moment, so it's a nice price, and we'll have two units to win on it. And then we'll go to the following race. Um, we've got a bit more confidence about this one. Race nine, number 10, Miss Hermes. Um, it's again one of these races with less than 25 wins. Um, we get Ever Justice here, and she's driven actually 23 winners, and um, by far the most of any of her rivals in the race. Um, this horse only had one run for the strong Julie Douglas stable, and that was last week at Ballarat. Um, and that was after it trialled really good at Bendigo as well. And it was beaten by one of Marg Lee's that was first up from New Zealand, but uh, by no means was it disgraced. Um, it meets a much easier field tonight. I know it's drawn barrier 10, but it's used to that because it's used to be an out-of-the-draw type of horse. Just need an ounce of speed on early, and um, it'll be the one... And it's um, two dollars fifty, and I think we'll have three units on that. So a five-unit spend, and hopefully we get some cash tonight. The Vic Breads, so like heats of Vic Breads. So I think that sometimes that, oh, like it, with the all ups, etc. Sometimes I've watched those races, and you think, oh, that's um, an easy multi to to get. But on times they've been running these races upside down. <laughs> Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out tonight. Like a horse like Kingman gets Karen Manning at 380, takes on Wardan Buddy. I think Kingman's a better horse than Wardan Buddy, so that'll be fascinating to see what happens there tonight as well. So some good horses going around. Yeah, I'm, I'm always a bit wary, Gareth, um, when there's, um, you know, the heats, so they only have to run top six or something like that to get into the final. So, yeah, I'm always a little bit wary of betting too confidently into those. Um especially when they've got to run the next week and then the week after as well. So 
peat racing for the big breads is not, um, you know, something I want to delve deep into. All right, mate. Thanks for that. Look forward to catching up with you tomorrow. We'll dissect the Eureka Barrier draw with you tomorrow. We'll do. All right, mate. There you go. There's Darren Carroll there. grnz.co.nz for everything New Zealand Greyhound Racing. Maddie Claridge had a winning day for us yesterday. Maddie, good morning to you. Well done yesterday. Take it away today, mate. Good morning. Cheers, mate. Um, got a couple from Manawa 2 first in one Eddington later on. So we'll start things off at race uh, Manawa 2, race 4, number 8, U-Proof. Um, it's a competitive race, but he gets pretty good speed early. Um, he gets room to move out wide as well. He won nicely last week by three and a half lengths. And I think he's a good chance to double up. Uh, the prices, I did look this morning, and I think there's been some movement here or there. I haven't checked them since, but I did see around 250 to 270. So I think three units uh, play for U-Proof on that one. Beautiful. Three units and then there. later on, Manawa 2, uh, race 8, number 2, 3, shirt day. Downgrades back to C3 level today. Gets an ideal draw where uh, there are fantastic stats from. Um, can give some cheek here with a decent getaway. And I'm thinking one unit each way at around. I saw $12 earlier. So some pretty good shopping for 3, shirt day on the downgrade. Yeah, so uh, definitely each way, though, for that one. We get um, $9.340. There. Oh, yeah, needs movement there. Cool, Beautiful. cool. Uh, and then we'll go on to change of venue, Eddington, race two, number one, Gold Star Haven. Uh, only the second start today, but brilliant box speed on debut over longer. So I think dropping to the sprint trip um, will only help from the ideal draw of uh, one. So two units at, I saw around $2.70 earlier. Beautiful. That'll do us, Matty Claridge. Keep up the good work, mate. Good luck today. We appreciate your time Thanks, as mate. always. There's Matty Claridge there. We love our dogs. They love to race. Check out grnz.co.nz for everything New Zealand Greyhounds. That is Bag of Tips thanks to Oz Equipment Rentals, supplying equipment to the construction, mining, and roadworks industries. OzEquipment.com. Shane Bennett and the team of superstars in the Ultima Hotel. It's starting to heat up now um, in the Mallee there, especially with the footy final. So if you're around the Mallee, um, head to the Ultima Hotel. I think Shane's back in action this week. Let's take a break. We'll come back with the midweek masterclass straight after this. On Giddy Up, it's time for the Midweek Masterclass with the Mailbag Team. Kalele, the 1,200-metre Group 1 weight for age sprint star, standing at Darlene. He was on show there with their open day there over the weekend. He looks a treat, the big chestnut, Pulele. Looking forward to seeing what he can do at stud. If you missed any of our bag of tips for today's racing, you can head to our website at sen.com.au. Or subscribe to Giddy Up with Gareth Hall with your local podcast subscriber and get our staking plan. We had a tough end to the week last week. We lost about 30 units on Saturday. Um, so it was a losing weekend. We're about 23 units down since we started to um, take our units um, and be accountable. Um, we won 20 units or we won 50 units the week before. So And it was a winning start in week four. So... Um, we will bounce back this week. This man's been in terrific form. I speak of Mitchie Lewis, and he joins us now to go through his play at Mount Gambier on a Wednesday afternoon. Hello to you, Mitchie. Hello, Gareth. Yeah, home track, so got to make sure I get this one right. Jeez, I thought we were at Murray Bridge. No, I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> Mount Gambier today, so what are we doing? Or tomorrow, mate, what are we doing? Have you found one for us or a couple? Yeah, so... What I like to do, so there's no odds, obviously, just yet for the South Australian meet. So I go ahead and do all the form, and then I make a few changes depending on odds and things like that. But I've got one that I think we want to back early because I reckon by the time markets open up this afternoon, you might miss out. So one play today, and then we'll give out the rest tomorrow. But it's race seven, number one, Harbin for Lindsay Smith. He brings one across here, and Lockie Nindorf rides. It maps really nicely. It's going to go forwards and put itself in a good position 
Now, third up as well, we know that he says his horses like to peak third and fourth up. It's two from two third up, so it reaches that point today. I think it'll open up maybe oh, mid-threes, and I think it's going to come down and probably start with a two in it somewhere. So that's the one I think we want to get on early-ish. Yeah, that is good placement there from Lindsay Smith with Harbin Race 7, number one. I agree with you. I might get Uncle Lindsay on tomorrow to see what he has to say and if he's actually heading to Mount Gambier. Lindsay Smith, we'll catch up with you tomorrow as well, mate. Um, and looking forward to seeing the rest of your plays there at uh, Mount Gambier on a Wednesday afternoon. Sounds good to me, mate. Thanks for that. And yeah. good luck today with your tips there at Donald. Yes. Uh, are you confident? You, you're jumping on my bandwagon? Are you following me in? I like the sound of them. Like you, you gave them with good conviction too, which yep. is always good. It I, means you've done a really good check you, over, haven't you? You stay online because straight after this break, I've got a futures bet for you on Saturday before the fields come out. <laughs> Welcome back to Giddy Up. And uh, this is the midweek masterclass. Race eight, number eight, shock them over. First up from a bit of a break, Alex Ray prepares his galloper. Around 460 at the moment there with bet 365. That's the $200 play there for Jack Dickens on a Wednesday at Sandown. So um, we might get Dicko on tomorrow with bag of tips, but that's his play, shock them over. First up there tomorrow at uh, Sandown, race eight, number eight there. That's his play for the midweek masterclass. I've got a futures bet for you. I think that this horse, Legacies, will be one of the horses to follow throughout the spring carnival for Peter Moody and Rosemont Stud. She is a star, this daughter of Justify. That victory at Sandown in April before she went out for a break, I thought was exceptional. She burnt the candle at both ends. She won with plenty in hand. I know that they didn't get home overly quick, but gee, she worked at the start and they were sizzling in the first part of that race. I think she's got plenty of bottom to her. She's got a turn of foot. Maybe it might be a little bit too short for her in the McNeil on, on Saturday, but I think she's she's one out of the box for Peter Moody. Um, she'll be winning a nice race this spring carnival. How far she'll get to is a little unknown, but I think she'll go mighty close. I see she's been backed already with the all-in markets for the McNeil, uh, the McNeil, and she's definitely going there. So legacies, I think you can play her right now. And I think you can play her with some confidence throughout the spring. She'll be one of the stars we're talking about in three months' time. 10 o'clock news time. Yeah, this is Giddy Up on this Tuesday. Big final hour coming your way. Looking forward to facing the breeze. We'll chat to Anthony Button and Andy Gath to have a chat about, especially the Eureka, one of the most anticipated weekends of harness racing that I can remember for some time with the first ever running of the world's richest harness racing event. And then we've got the great tip-off tipser of the week with Mickey Gannon and Peter Thomas. And Rob Slade will join us as well um, to have a chat about his syndication business and looking forward to catching up with Rob. First of all, however, we need to find you a few winners with the Midweek Masterclass. And we'll kick off with Warwick Farmer, Mark Roden, who joins us now. Good morning to you, Mark. Uh, good morning, Gareth. How are you? I am well, mate. Um, what, are you, what are you thinking at Warwick Farm on a Wednesday afternoon? How do you think the track will play? Uh, rail back in the true track good at the moment for showers forecast um, it's back in the true those coming down the middle can get their chance um, most should get their chance though but um, yeah don't be surprised if later in the day they're getting down the middle a bit take it away with your specials okay uh, look tomorrow for me really revolves around uh, whether my assessment of a race at Newcastle a few weeks ago was correct uh, there was a race at Newcastle on the 10th that I thought uh, rated really highly. And there's two horses, well, the first and second place getters uh, both turn up at Warwick Farm tomorrow. Right. And uh, yep. I'm going to be with them both. Uh, the first one's in race five. 
Uh, it's number 10, Orzara. Uh, ran second to Silver, uh, Silvanito at Newcastle in the race uh, I just mentioned. Uh, Silvanito sort of outpaced her at the, about the 300, and then she sort of hung in there. In her last 100, I was really impressed with. She was first up that day too. Um, hit the line really well in what, as I say, I think was a strong race. Uh, the extra 100 metres will suit. She's drawn quite nicely in four, probably settles midfield or just off. Um, yeah, with, I, I just think she sets up really well here. Coriolis, who was beaten favourite when I was on it actually at Canterbury last start, will be a danger. I think the horse making the market is number eight outsider. I'm not sure she's really going anywhere and it's at around the $4 mark. So I think there's uh, value to be had in this race and I'm happy to go with the third pick, number 10, Orzava. Beautiful. How much on that with our staking plan? Uh, we'll have... We'll have half the bank. We'll have 100 of the 200 on Zaga. Around 440, I think you can get. Yep. Um, yep. And so just moving on to the next race, it's the um, the males edition of the Benchmark 72. And, yeah, sticking with that same form line, number seven, Silvanito. Um, he was third up against Ozara being first up in that race at New, Newcastle. But, gee, showed a, a turn of foot there. He's drawn 13 tomorrow. But as I said uh, just before, I think getting down the middle, especially by race six, uh, will be okay. Nashville will on. He's had a few starts now this thing, and he is fourth up. But if he shows that turn of foot, I think he'll run past these. And uh, he's also around 440. I think the danger is probably number eight, River Snitty, with McDonald on. It, 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 it's not a bad race, this. But um, if Silvanito can um, show that acceleration and run up to what he showed last time at Newcastle, I think he'd be very hard to beat. And 440 is a fair price. Beautiful, mate. So we'll play both those horses, $100 the win. Yep, yep. I think just half each. And uh, if I'm right about that race, we'll, we could have a very good day. And if I'm wrong... Um, Probably we'll collect zero, but we'll see how we go. All right, go and get them. We appreciate your time as always. No worries at all, Gareth. Thank you. There's Mark Roden there. Peter Anthus has done the form for us at Belmont. Have you found one for us at Belmont, Pete, on a Wednesday afternoon with the track? Looking at the conditions there, um, it'll be interesting to see how that surface plays once again with the rail out 15 metres from the 1,600 to the 413 metres, the remainder, but there's no cutaway. We're on a good four at the moment. Yeah, what do you think of that uh, rail position, Gareth? I, I, look, oh, we've I had a few of these uh, anymore. Yeah, the, the, the 400 change, it's interesting because the first time it happened this season, it played very heavily into leaders. Um, from memory, the second time they had this angle at the 400, it didn't necessarily advantage the leaders because the inside was worse. Look, I don't know what to expect on Wednesday. Um, I'll put it that way. Look, the, the one bet that I think really stands out, and I wouldn't be surprised if the snipers have got the ammunition ready to go as soon as uh, any of the bookies go up. Race five, number six, Stormy Tawny. Look, the horse for Pike and Williams. Just gone to a position a little bit worse in midfield. Their last start at Pinjarra. Um, Matt's to basically dictate this race, and it did do that under um, Todd Harvey when I was in the, the previous camp. Look, at one second up last prep just ticks all boxes. I think it should be far too good for this field. Wouldn't be surprised if it starts pretty short. So, look, you know, if you're getting better than even money early days, and you might even get a bit more than that when the odds first go up, I think that's a good price to be taking. All right, then. So race five, number six, Stormy Tawny. Tawny, is that the only horse you're playing there at the moment? Yeah, that's the only one I've got great confidence in. Race one's really interesting for the three-year-olds. I think there's a couple of nice... Um, Unraced ones there, debuting Hyper Real, Lord Shiva, I think will probably start favourite, but Oscar's Fortune was backed into favourite, Northern was scratched at the gate, so look, I think all three of those seem to have come through their trials pretty well, as did the, the Casey runner, that never the twain, which won uh, last start, and Angel undercover they've got as the stable mate, so it's a really good, hot little race there, race one.
Yeah, Warry Daly's got a Harry Angel, which is Angel undercover. He's also got a Ribchester as well, um, a filly that's having her third start. So usually at this time of the year, um, September, we see some of the better three-year-olds step out here. Uh, Bob Peters has done it in the past as well. I think Amelia's Jewel, she debuted about this time of the year before she went on to win a Group 1 later on in that year, of course. So, um, And then she went on to do some wonderful deeds on the racetrack. So it's always fascinating watching the trials and then some of these um, unraced or lightly raced three-year-olds at this time of the year in the West. Keep up the good work, Pete. Thanks for that. Cheers, Gary. Great to catch up with Peter Anthonis there. Racing action continues every day across the Sunshine State. Chris Nelson, good morning to you. There's a hot set of trials happening yeah. today in Queensland. We'll have you on trial time with Dean Watling tomorrow, so looking forward to that. But some of the superstars of the Sunshine State stepping out. Yeah, it's been a great uh, morning of trials. So good morning to you, Gareth. Good morning, everyone. We've seen uh, Zoo Style. We've seen Antino. We've seen Rothfire. We've seen Uncommon James. The list goes on. Yellow Brick. So Who's been yeah, the best? Uh, Just don't well, tease us for tomorrow once you analyse them a little bit more in depth. But um, who thought when you watched them, who'd you think, oh, you might be in for a good prep? Rothfire. I actually oh, thought Rothfire. Yeah. Look, I thought he, I didn't think he'd be forward enough to probably run down Zeus style. He was given a little bit more of a, a niggle to do so, but I thought he was good. And the one that's just run, oh, I love this little mare, Ekaterina, and she ran second to Uncommon James. And I'll tell you, she wasn't put under much pressure at all. And she'll be down your way in the spring. And I think she'll, I think she'll win a decent race down there. I really do. She's, she got me really excited out of the winter. I think she's a very, very good mare on the way up. Dooman, tomorrow, soft five rails out 10 metres. Um, what have you found early doors? Rail out 10 metres means nothing. We had an 11 metre rail here a few weeks ago and they all came down the outside. The inside was no good. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens tomorrow, but uh, don't necessarily think it's going to be on pace bias at all. And I like these first two races. Uh, race one, number seven, Power Flash. Uh, one of Tony Golan strikes a pretty average maiden here. Uh, she's only had the three starts. Now, uh, two back, she was eased from a wide gate behind Yellowhammer, and she made a little bit of ground. Then last time out, she didn't jump well at all, and she again ran on. That was at 1,400 metres. So she gets to 1,600 metres, and she draws a lovely gate here, gate two before scratching for Ange Jones. Now, I will be absolutely surprised if they don't go forward and try and find a spot in the first four with power flash. I'm sure they will. And if they do, I think she'll be winning. So race one, number seven, power flash. And the other one I'm going to keep an eye on is jukebox in Siberia. Race two, number nine, uh, jukebox in Siberia from the Annabelle Nisham stables had one start at Doombin, drew 11 of 13, went back to last, charged home late in the third spot. Now, Another one that draws a good gate tomorrow. Now, if you look at her trial at Deegan over 6.50, she was up on speed. So don't expect her to be out the back this time around. I think she'll be closer, and I think she can win. Race two, number nine, jukebox in Siberia. There's a couple of others, but we'll wait and see what happens with the uh, markets and barriers tomorrow, Gareth. Looking forward to catching up with you tomorrow, mate, with Bag of Tips. Enjoy Thanks, your Gareth. day analysing the trials now. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Um, in fact, you'll probably co-host the show with me. You'll be on that much. Thanks for that, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, Gareth. Cheers. There we go. There's Chris Nelson there. 12 minutes past 10. That is the midweek masterclass on this Tuesday ahead of a, a Wednesday afternoon of racing. So Sandown, race eight, number eight, shock them over for Dicko. Race seven, number one at Mount Gambier. Harbin there for Mitchie Lewis. Mark Rowan likes a couple, but his best would be Ozala, race five, number 10. Belmont, Stormy Tormy, race five, number six there for Peter Anthony. And at the moment, there's two horses to keep an eye on 
for Chris Nelson, race one, number seven, Power Flash, and then Jukebox in Siberia, race two, number nine. We'll take a break. We'll talk some harness racing as we face the breeze. Thanks to Garrod's Horse and Hound, Anthony Butt and Andy Gath to join me straight after this. On Giddy Up, Facing the Breeze with Anthony Butt and Jack Trainer. This is Facing the Breeze, thanks to Garrett's Horse and Hound for all of the Equine Essentials. Let's welcome in the team, uh, Anthony Butt. Hello to you, Ants. Yeah, good morning, Gareth. Got a new partner in crime these days. Um, Andy Gatt joins us here for a cameo appearance on Facing the Breeze. G'day, Andy. It's a big week for you, mate, with Catch Away. Finally, the week has arrived. The, the Eureka on Saturday, this race, it, it seems that like we've been talking about for, for years. It's, um, it's uh, happening on Saturday. I think everybody is so excited about watching this race for the first time, the world's richest harness racing event. No, definitely. Thanks, Gareth, and good morning, Ant. Now, with the elephant in the room, no Jack Trainer. Of course, he was disqualified last week by Harness Racing Queensland for that now infamous fight on Blacks of Fake Night there at Albion Park on Saturday night. Jason Grimson, his great mate, was also disqualified for 12 months. Now, I haven't seen the CCTV footage, so it's difficult for me to comment, but they pleaded guilty to assault on a racetrack and that was stupid by those two. And I think they admit that. Um, they've got a stay of proceedings at the moment. Um, they're appealing, not because they pleaded guilty, they're appealing the, the the length of the suspension or the disqualification. So that will play out. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with their careers from now on. Reading between the lines, Jason Grimson might enjoy that break that he's been given, even though that it comes over under circumstances that he wouldn't want them to come under. Um, I don't know if we will see him back in the game for a little while anyway, and who knows what Jack Trainer is, but there is mail that he might head overseas as well. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, just with Jason Grimson, he has got his knockers out there because of the success that he's had in the game. Um, and there is people that say that he goes about it the wrong way but his record speaks for itself Jason Grimson and I've watched him closely and I've had a chat to him in depth and he is a a, a horseman that thinks outside the square I think he's a gifted horseman and he would have been tested more than any other trainer in the game at the moment and he's tested clear so um I think that he's done the wrong thing at Albion Park there's no doubt about that and he has to be disqualified for that because you can't assault anyone on a racetrack um, but I think it would be sad if we do lose him to the game and it would be sad at the moment if we do lose him, um, in, in this country because he's been able to produce some terrific results. So, um, that's the situation at the moment with those two. I think Captain Ravishing is looking after or helping Armitabia there with the state proceedings. So it'll be interesting to see what Captain Ravishing can do on uh, Saturday as well, whether he's had enough time to try and sort that out, sort that horse out. Um, that'll be um, known there on Saturday night. But Ants, that's all I really want to say on that situation. Um, it's just, it's, it, I, I feel sad about it all um, because it shouldn't have happened. They should have been stronger and more disciplined under those circumstances and there's no place for any type of violence. Um, and um, yeah, they've, they've learnt the hard way, unfortunately, Ants. Yeah, that's right, Gareth. It's an unfortunate situation and, we see it with other sportsmen and women, you know, the AFL 
and the rugby guys and that kind of thing where they do get taunted and um, harassed and you know in this day and age you just got to walk away it's I know it's hard at times and you get re- really frustrated but um, that's the world we live in and you know nowadays with the cameras everywhere and people yeah. with phones that uh, you just got to be so careful and uh, it's a shame we live in that world but um, we do and uh, so yeah it's just one of those situations that shouldn't have happened but it did and uh, so hopefully you know the boys learn something from it and um, you know, we can all move on. And it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in, Andy, that if you've had any type of success, people will try and come at you. And um, unfortunately, I think Jason probably cops a little bit more than um, he deserves in a way with the, like, a, it's sad if you win a big brace like that and um, people are talking like that about you. So it's a it's a situation that he just has to, to live with. And I guess that the success, the more success you have, the more knockers that you have as well, but you, you, you need to, you need to be a little bit more disciplined and use that as motivation in a way, Andy. Yeah, definitely. Like obviously uh, he'd be disappointed with his actions and everything. And he's been dealt with it. And um, yeah, I feel a little bit sorry for him because everyone just wants to sort of label him um, and don't give him the credit that he probably deserves. And, and and again, uh, my theory is if you're doing nothing wrong, well, there's a better way of doing it. And myself as a trainer, I think, well, if he, if he can get results just doing things different, maybe I can too. So that's the way I think of his success and everything. But yeah, hopefully he's not lost to the game. You know, he's, um, you know, it's pretty difficult for him in the situation he's in. But sometimes you just might be have to go elsewhere and not, you know, not socialise with him you know, yep. the participants and sort of spend time sort of away from us and try and find somewhere else where we're not and where he doesn't get taunted. But I'm sure, you know, he'll be, you know, he'll be remorseful and disappointed with his actions, but, you know, you'll pay the price and I'm sure we'll come back at some stage. Let's have a chat about this Eureka on Saturday and the barrier draw has been conducted, would you believe? It's a little bit like Christmas, I would imagine, Andy, that you know that the result's out there, you know that your horse has been drawn, but they're not letting you know until tomorrow morning when they have the official draw. They do this with the Everest as well. So they do the draw, say, at Racing New South Wales, and then they release the draw that night like they do it at the Sydney Opera House. I think we're going to the the Museum of Contemporary Art. Um, that would be the first time you've probably been to a venue like that, um, Andy. But that's when the draw will be conducted. So um, what draw do you want? You can draw between... Um, six and fourteen. So basically, six I would imagine would be the draw you're looking for. Yeah, obviously the best available draw, but yeah, it's all relevant to what everyone else draws as well, I suppose. So um, again, going into any big race, you like to get to get a good draw. But just being one front row, there's probably um, yeah, and I think if you get a little bit too wide over that twenty five hundred meter start, you're nearly forced to go back anyway. So um, yeah, well, you know, we're fortunate that we're part of the race and whatever barrier draw we'll get, um, you know, we'll just cop and and deal with it at the time. Um, Ants, um, I'd love to get your insights here because sometimes I think when you compete over a trip that we're not used to seeing that much at Menangle, like the 2,400-metre um, trip, um, you can get some results that don't go to plan, um, especially if the horses work off the gate early because if you open up your lungs over that trip, and we saw it a little bit with Tim's a trooper. I know that he's a horse that probably doesn't like to be used out of the gate, but in the, the singer, he was found wanting. Um, it'll be interesting to see the tactics from the drivers there in the early part of this race. Yeah, it'll be what, it, like Andy said, it'll be relevant to where everyone else draws. Um, 
you know, Mason will want to draw inside, leap, leap to fame and uh, that kind of thing. But, yeah, like a few of them will, you know, I'd imagine they'll be ducking for the fence pretty quickly and then, you know, a few, you know, if catch a wave just draws out of it and you draw inside him, you might, a couple might head out hoping to get the trail behind him later on. So, yeah, as I said, it's all uh, comes down to wherever it else draws. But as you said, a lot of these horses, especially the Menangle horses, and um, they're not used to racing over the longer distance. So sometimes that gets in the driver's mind and they do drive quite conservatively. So, but when they're going for $2 million, I think yeah. uh, it might be a bit different this week. Could you cross Leap to Fame if he draw, draws inside of you, Andy? Um, what, I'm, what I've seen, I'd say he probably would. Yeah. Um, but again, at what cost? too um you know we're aware you know 2400 um yeah obviously which is probably in leap to fame's wheelhouse to be honest the longer the race you know the better he can perform he can just just, just sustain speed better than probably all of us so um but he's no one-trick pony catch away if he's sudden a death and won a chariot we've seen how good he is from back in the field as well and and he can lead and win as well so again ideally you like a good draw but um, the race does fall away a little bit, probably depth-wise, you know, for winning chances. So, you know, you'd be able to make a move at any stage and put yourself into the race if, if tempo, you know, not, not as quick as you want it to be. In harness racing, usually that you get horses that are adaptable. They can be sprinters and they can go and be great stays as well. We've seen your horse, I still think one of his biggest runs I've ever seen was that 1,200-metre stampede victory there on... Um, Hunter Cup night there earlier on in the year, and then he went on to win a Miracle Mile. What's his best trip? Do you think he'll like the extra trip of the twenty four hundred meters the, of the twenty four hundred? Well, pretty sure it won't worry him, to yeah. be honest. I know he's had one start in the Vic Derby heat over twenty seven hundred, and um, we, and we know where he finished. But his last mile was quicker than Captain Ravish and Leap to Fame on that night. Um, She's standing over there, so she knows it was a, it was just a poor drive from Cape more than anything that you know led to him not qualifying. So um, yeah, that was his first go over relative long distance, and he performed really well. So um, yeah, you don't know. I think if you can run a strong mile, you can run a strong twenty four hundred. But it's all relevant to how hard you burn early. Um, Ants, is it just a two horse race at the moment, or do you think that? Um, there's a three-year-old like a lost storm, even a mare like in Cypher that can play a part here. No, I think that the top two are clearly head and shoulders above the rest and probably the lost storm, you know, just from behind them. I, I really think only three can win it. And, uh, you know, Andy's also a great horse. He's, you know, any horse can win a Miracle Mile as a four-year-old, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be hard to beat and, um, you know, leap to fame to champion, I think. And uh, so I think they're the two and, you know, Lost Storm, he's just got that X factor and, you know, he could just, you know, he could just blow them away. I don't mm. know. But, uh, you know, I really think that the, the winner will come from those three. They're basically for their three-year-olds these days. If you went back to the old season, Andy, um, do you think Leap to Fame, if you beat him, you win the Eureka? Or do you see, and Kate Drives and Cypher has come a long way and she'd be a tough mare too. I think she'll in She'll lap, at, lap up the, the conditions there on Saturday night. How do you see your rivals here? Yeah, obviously, um, Leap to Fame's the one to beat. What he's been able to do this preparation and even last you know, season as a three-year-old has just been amazing. And, you know, he's such a great horse to watch race too um, from the sidelines. So, um, yeah, he's definitely the one to beat. And a little bit with Ants too, you know, the lost storm, he's got a bit of X factor about him. And if he gets that barrier one draw and just has a cosy run there on the fence, he's, 
definitely going definitely to be hard to beat. And I think in Cypher, definitely has a winning chance. He's pretty season and she can run sort of, she can handle the time. And um, I know just Emma and Clayton, they always say she works with her. They're good three, four horses. So she's right up there as well, I'd say. But I, I think it's probably down to four chances. Andy, I'd love to get your insights, and you're a great student of the game as well, and you talk to different trainers, like a Gary Hill senior would love the preparation of a leap to fame heading towards their big dance. He's had hard racing against good opposition, and he'll be ready to go for a war. You've had a, a different approach with your horse catcher wave. He's been um, kept relatively flesh, uh, fresh for this, for this big dance. Um, have you been happy with the way that he's heading into this race? Or would you prefer um, the the hard racing a little bit like a leap to fame has had before this this, this war on Saturday? Um, every horse is different. Um, I'm quite happy with the path I've chosen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really, um, at this stage, um, I probably wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah. You don't know until the race night whether you got it right or wrong, but um, I'm pretty happy where he's at. He's in great order. He's eating well. You know, he's been working exceptionally well at home and he's going to have a trial later this afternoon at Melton just to sort of top him off. So, um, yeah, no, I probably, um, I don't sort of regret giving him a couple more runs or, or anything. I, I, you know, to my mind, I'm pretty happy with what it, the path I've chosen and the way I've headed to getting ready for this race. Stay with us, Andy Gath and Anthony Butt here on uh, Giddy Ups Facing the Breeze as we talk some harness racing. Thanks to Garrett's Horse and Hound for all of the equine essentials. We'll take the news, then we'll come back and continue on our chat ahead of the world's richest harness racing event. Can't wait for it. The Eureka on Saturday night at Tabcourt Parkman Angle. Imagine what you could be buying instead. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Giddy up, this is Facing the Breeze. Thanks to Garrett's Horse and Hound for all of your equine essentials. So, Ants, final question on the Eureka. If you had to drive one horse, and just because Andy's on the line, you don't have to say catch a wave, who would you want to be driving? Yeah, I'd have to say Leap to Fame because I think he's, uh, you know, a great horse and he's probably got uh, more strings to his bow than some of the others. So, sorry, Andy, but uh, I still think you're a great chance, but... Uh, <laughs> can only pick one. Do you know who I hope runs really well, Andy? Um, Magician. I, I liked his trial the other day, and sometimes I think with Tassie Racing, we can underestimate them a little bit because of the times they run. They're usually a lot slower than what we see over here, but um, yeah. Bowtie was able to surprise everybody when, I'm not saying he's a Bowtie magician, but yeah. I think he'll be a much improved horse um, racing on those bigger spacious tracks or the bigger spacious tracker of a angle. Yeah, no, and I think it's great that Tasmania's part of the race too. Yeah. Um, you know, I know how excited I am to be part of it. And, yeah, to have people from Tasmania that knowing that for the next couple of years that they're going to have a run in the Eureka, I think it's fantastic for them. Bet365 should do a market. Who who beats who beats um, each other home? Captain Ravishing or Magician? Um, about a month ago, Magician would have been 100 to 1, but I reckon he'd nearly be favourite now, Ants. <laughs> oh, Gareth, you're playing with fire now. Well, no, it's just an opinion-based show, and we um and um that's just that's just um looking at those trials, etc. And I and I wish Armitabia and 
Danny Savasanos and the Savasanos family, the best of luck. I think they've been absolutely dead set sensational with the way that they've gone about the, the promotion and marketing of this race. And they're making a difference in the sport. But this is the great narrative heading into the race. This boom horse, Captain Ravishing, um, now can't get out of his own way. Can they turn him around? He's the, one of the most fascinating stories of the race, Ants, for mine. Yeah, he is, Gareth. As you said, going on his trial the other day, you think you'd need to improve a fair bit. But as I said, he's, I see Luke McCarthy's driving him today on a trial and they've got Grimmer in their corner. So they've gone for the big guns to help them. So uh, he's going to get every chance to be his best. But, you know, you just you just can't see it off his preparation. You know, he's had and his hiccups and troubles. So... No, I'll be staying. I'll be staying out of him. Yeah, it's it's it's. I think, as I said to Ants, Andy, it will be interesting to see how he trials and how he goes on Saturday night because there's no doubting his ability. But can they get him right in time? Yeah, you know, you know they've probably been up against it uh, probably for the last month, and they've had a few little setbacks, I think. And yeah, he, you know, we also his trial. He probably didn't handle the track that great. He's probably not handled Manangle that great, but he's still a quality horse. Um, you can't understand underestimating, but still, you, you think, you know, you still got to find a lot of improvements. So it'll be interesting to see how he trials today um, going forward. But yeah, as I said, with Eureka, we've been able to follow most horses' path and we all know how they're, what they're doing and what they're up to, which has been, you know, probably good from the sidelines for people looking in and see how horses are trained and different paths that trainers are taking to get there. Yeah, I think it's been terrific, hasn't it, Andy? It's been a big winner, the Eureka. There's been a little bit of criticism at the start by industry participants, but it's what the sport needed when you got Singo involved and um, there's been a lot of media attention as well. And when you're racing for that type of prize money, it sells itself in a way. Yeah, there's no doubt. And again, you know, we'll just keep building on it year after year, I'd say. Um, who wins the Lensmith Mile before we let you go? I know you were keen on Rock and Roll Zoo Ants last week, but does the draw hurt his chances? No, I don't think so. Uh, Gareth, he's not the fastest off the gate anyway, and you know Mick will probably mooch forward at some stage, and he'll probably have to you know park up. But uh, you know, there's a bit of speed inside him. Some pretty good horses are going to get some nice runs, so it won't be easy for him. But I think if he's back to his best, he'll still take a bit of beating. Well, have you had a look at that field? Um, Andy, you got Spirit of St. Louis 1, Macdan 2, South Coast Arden 3, Cash and Flow 4, Better and Clips 5, Hot and Treacherous 7, Rock and Roll 2, 8, Narano 9, Hurricane Harley, Hurricane Harley 10, and of course, Seuss Bromac, I missed him, and Barrier 6. Who wins? Uh, any chance you can get back on Rock and Roll 2, Ants, or? Not unless uh, Mick backs into one again this week, but he you know, I got him at the wrong time, I think. So he looks at me back to his bed. So it's probably better off yeah. if I stay away. No, I wouldn't think so. He was unbelievable first up, like an old do, and he handles my angle well. Um, yeah, you've got to beat a bit of speed early with Spirit of St. Louis, Spirit of St. Louis and Mac Dan. So, um, yeah, I'm in the rock and old do corner. Well, Andy, go and get them this weekend. Um, it's going to be some race. It's exactly what the sport of harness racing needed. And um, no, we wish you the, the best of luck on Saturday. Ants has been on fire, tipping us $20 winners here on Facing the Breeze. Can you help uh, um, us battlers out, Andy, with the winner? Um, oh, pretty light on this week. Got a couple going around in Victory and Hates in a little bit out of their depth. So, um, yeah, no, probably, um, probably have to wait till next week to find something, I'd say. All right, then. What about you, Ants? Now, I'm about the same as Andy. I've got a couple in the victory on Thursday night, but they're probably uh, just going to go around and hopefully get in the, the semis, but they won't 
I can't see them beating Emma Stewart's runners. So, um, no, I'll probably wait till next week for a winner, Gareth. Ah, sensation. What a pleasure catching up with two legends of the sport, two Hall of Famers on Facing the Breeze. Ants, enjoy your week. And Andy, safe travels to Sydney. Uh, thanks, Gareth. Andy Gathair, but that's facing the breeze. Gareth's Horse and Hounds stocking the largest reins at the best prices. Visit horseandhound.com.au. How lucky we are here on Giddy Up. Two of the, the best in the business, but wonderful ambassadors um, for harness racing. And when, you, when they speak, you need to listen. Let's take a break. We'll come back with the great tip off, Tipster of the Week with Mickey Gannon. We are calling out loud again. Never looking down, I'm missing Laurel what's in front of me. Welcome back to Giddy Up, Gareth Hall with you on this Tuesday. It's 10.46. It's no surprise that wherever the blue and gold goes, success follows at First Light Racing, firstlightracing.com.au. The great tipster, tipster of the week. It's time now to reveal who the tipster of the week was last week. But Mickey Gannon, the captain of the, the great tip-off team, joins us. G'day, Mickey. Good morning, Jay. Looking forward you, to, good, thank you, mate. Looking forward to catching up with our guest, Peter Thomas, who's a star tipster. Now, going through his stats, he's had... 3,890 winners at an average price of $6.46. But this is what I love about the great tip-off. A point of difference. He tips solely overseas across the US, England, France, and Ireland. And he joins us now. Pete, welcome to Giddy Up. Thanks for your time, mate. Oh, thanks for having us on, Gareth. How did you find that? Yeah, I'm well, mate. What inspired you to find that niche and tip overseas? Well, I suppose it was a matter of finding a niche because uh, at the time, you know, I was looking at uh, developing the sort of form that I was doing, and pardon me, the spring, spring fever's hit uh, Melbourne pretty fiercely, so uh, I've got a good dose of hay fever today. But, um, yeah, it was a matter of uh, an, an each because, um, you know, like we obviously go through racing cycles, uh, carnivals in, in Australia and that, and when things were uh, getting a little bit quiet, I was looking elsewhere, and... Uh, Going globally was uh, obviously the obvious way to go because uh, what uh, the the, uh, the attraction was we had a lot of international horses going to come out to Australia mainly for the spring carnival and um, and I just started to follow them when they got back and uh, yeah, and and look at the uh, key tracks where they raced on leading up to their visit to Australia and of course plenty of them stay here these days and uh, then a. Uh, few years back uh, with our, our daughter living in London had the opportunity to go to Ascot and uh, yeah just, uh, just got into things over there and, and uh, followed it ever since but, but the good thing is you know the, there's a circuit you know that happens globally and, um, and and you can follow those horses from the UK from their spring summer autumn season all the way uh, down to the United Arab Emirates, uh, across to uh, Japan, and then you know across to the Breeders' Cup in America. So it's, it's happening all the time. And of course, uh, that uh, import uh, from the horses uh, in Ireland and the UK having an enormous impact, of course, on the rest of the world. Uh, basically, we know we have to do plenty of things to maintain racing, and um, yeah, that was my attraction. That's fantastic, Peter. And I tell you what, your stats on the great tip-off back up, obviously, your passion that you have for, for the racing uh, overseas. And obviously, you'd no doubt you'd have passion, passion for racing in Australia as well. But what are, you, what are your keys in, to finding winners overseas and the edges that you've found, mate? 
And just to mention there, Mick, uh, thanks for the great tip of for providing me with an outlet. Otherwise, I'd be just tweeting away to who knows what. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, but any, anyhow, yeah. Well, the key um, uh, process uh, in, in 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 looking at tipping, uh, obviously, you've got to have. Uh, Corporates in Australia covering those races, and that's pretty much done these days. It wasn't always the way, as we know. But and then, of course, the technology. Uh, you know, we're all walking around with a phone in our hand these days, whereas before it used to be page and pages of printed off A4 paper, and then of course the um, you know the racing form uh, from the middle of the paper and the back of the paper, and that sort of thing is the first thing you go to. But the, the key to it is uh, your black book and um, why I say that is um, when you've got uh, access to uh, the, the deep form, um, which we have now, you know, via um, tab and uh, racing.com. Uh, the one I like a lot is um, racing and sports. Um, you, you don't have, you'd like, you can watch the replays, but, you know, um, a bit old school when it comes to form and reading line form. Uh, you know, you just adapt to do, to do that, and but then the line form has got really, really um, comprehensive. And uh, I would suggest to anyone who's starting out a black book is to set a, a benchmark of um, the trainers in particular I follow, and then the jockeys. So the trainer jockey combinations, of course, the most important factor is then the horse and. If you can, you know, tune your black book up to the point where, say, you're looking at, you know, uh, trainers, you know, functioning, you know, winning, winning averages between 13, 14, 15 percent, and then you want your jockeys just going a little bit higher. Of course, you know, then of course they're picking up a lot of place money as well. So, mm. and I focus on each way betting, e even though you know there's obviously some horses you want to follow from time to time and they're shorter prices, but. You know, that, that peripheral vision you develop after doing a lot of line form, that it allows you from time to time to tip, you know, one of the big odds and, and um, yeah, get a little bit of bit in the bank and, and, and take a little bit out, of course. We're going to recruit you as we get closer to the spring with these European gallopers. I've only got about 45 seconds here, um, Pete, but have you got one at the Thanks, top Jeff. of your head, mate, regarding a Melbourne Cup play at the moment? Look, you know, uh, there was a horse uh, that, Ran in France and, and won on the weekend. Uh, yeah, his, his name's Jack Darcy, and, and uh, what they've suggested is, is coming down for the cup. Uh, and of course, there'd be a lot of uh, interest in the O'Brien horses as well. But when when you look at uh, the cups, always you know, ready for a story. And of mm. course, you know who's not going to follow Jack Darcy if it comes down racing yep. in Australia? Let's face it, it's a, it's, it's a great name. Uh, apart from that, of course, uh, it's winning over the distances that it needs to to, to race well in the Melbourne Cup. So right. that's the one off the top of my head. And uh, for looking at one for this evening... I've got about uh, 20 seconds, so yeah. Okay, well, um, yeah, Ryan Moore is on a horse uh, this evening at Newbury, Um Race three, number two, Captain Cuddle. Beautiful. I'll be tipping it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's going to run well. That'll do me, mate. We'll get you on as we get closer to the spring and you can follow your work at the Great Tip-Off. Just subscribe to Peter Thomas. I'll be following you now, mate. Um, great to catch up and we'll talk again soon. We appreciate your time. 
All the best, you guys. He's a star. A there's, there's Peter Thomas there. I'll take a break. We'll come back with Mickey Gannon to see who have been the, the best tipsters, especially on the SEN track team straight after this. I feel so close to you right now. Welcome back to Giddy Up. This is the great tip-off tipster of the week here. And well done to our man, Dean Watling. He dominated proceeding. Semi Highland and the birthday boy, Campbell Brown, has been seeing them well as well. Gators had another big week. But Luke Hovanessian and Heath Pope, along with Mickey Gadd and the SEN Track Boys, two, three, and four. Um, the tipsters here on Giddy Up are on fire, Mickey. Absolutely flying, mate. It's so good to see. And I tell you who else is flying, though. Oh, shadow fact is his uh, alias. Um, and Jack Darcy, that horse, did you see this replay overnight? 151 bucks in, in betting market. Something to follow there, G. Yeah. I'm just worried that they it, did it walk in front the other day, but I'm not. I, he's a star, Pete. I'm not taking him on, but I might have something on then. Um, Why not? Yeah, we'll get on. I can't find it in the Bet365 market, but I'll make sure that I get it for us. And we'll get it up. We'll get it up straight away. Um, so hopefully we can get on. That Galloper and um, Jack Darcy can get the chocolates for us. Good on you, Mickey Gaddon. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, mate. Look forward to it. There's Mickey Gaddon, and that is Giddy Up. I'll see you tomorrow morning. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning.